Welcome to Rocketship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Daniel Williams, who some of you already might know as a storybook expert in the React Native community. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, Daniel is the maintainer and creator, I think, of React Native Storybook. Is that correct? Well, um, maintainer, actually, it's an interesting history for React Native Storybook. Like, I don't think that many people know how it came about, but like React Native Storybook was around before me and oh. it's gone through like a, quite a few maintainers, to be honest. And like, uh, it was created a long time ago and initially it was like a different thing entirely, kind of like you would only control it via a web UI and then it would like change the components on the device. Um, it's gone through quite a lot of changes, but yeah, basically I, I took over like three years ago when like I was working on a, on a project for Paddy Power Betfair through like a company in mm -hmm. Portugal called Blip. And, um, you know, we were using Storybook then and it, was just, it ran into some problems with it and the maintainer just was like, uh, didn't have time anymore to maintain it. You know, it's right. kind of like how it goes. Yeah. And I just made like a discussion post and was like, what's going on with this project? Like, I, I've got this bug and they're like, do you want to be a maintainer? I was like, that's not really <laughs> what I was asking, but okay. Like, you know, and then it's just like fix your own problems. And that's how it started. So like I, the project was in like 5.3 when I joined. And basically since I've been working on it, I've just been developing like version six and now like version seven is coming along. Uh, and just for some context, like Storybook, the web, you know, the web part of Storybook is like the core thing, like Storybook core is kind of what we tend to refer to it as. And this is like uh, where everything like began, like the, the web part of Storybook is like mm. what people, most people would know about, like Storybook React has like 4 million downloads a week or something. Really? Yeah. So yeah, like basically Storybook for React Native is kind of like a, trying to be compatible with web Storybook, but re-implements things like the UI and some other things. Like we kind of just take some of the internal APIs and, uh, put it together to work for React Native because, you know, of course, web stuff, it's more difficult to go from web to React Native than it is to go from React Native to web, so. True. I don't know if that answers your question. I, <laughs> I tend to go off on these tangents. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely <laughs> gave us some some background on this. Um, yeah. I also, I hope I get a lot of uh, storybook knowledge in general out of this episode because we're going to make That's some right. confessions right here in the beginning. You said it, Storybook <laughs> has 4 million downloads per week. I can say that I'm not a single one of those downloads <laughs> per week. So um, yeah. I've seen Storybook basically like it popped up in Twitter, I don't know, for the last mm. years. And I always see like, oh, we're using Storybook and here's this new Storybook package and this Storybook and everything looks so yeah. cool. And to be honest, like I never completely got what Storybook essentially is about. Right. So abstracting away from uh, React Native, like could you, for me and for everyone who <laughs> hasn't used Storybook, just let us know like, <laughs> What is yeah. Storybook for, for people who've never used it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. Like, um, I'll try and give like the, the base answer, but also just it's become a lot more than it initially was. Like, it's very extendable. So, um, but basically it's a, it's a development tool. 
um, for developing components in isolation. So if you imagine like you have your your app, it could be you know web app or mobile app. And sometimes you know when you want to develop a component, like you have to be logged in, and then you have to like go into the settings page, and then you have to click through like a bunch of links. And then you change something and the whole app has to like reload and then you have to go through that whole thing again. (laughs) And so the idea is instead of going through that process, you have this storybook, just like a book of your components and stories are what represent your components and like sort of slices of your components. Like this component in this specific state would be a story. And so you create these stories and then you create a book of them in a sense. And each of those you can use to just take that one individual component and develop it on its own. And it's a really, like, it's a much easier way uh, to, like, develop components. And there's this kind of, like, concept that uh, was coined by the Storybook guys, which is, like, uh, component-driven development or, like, Mm -hmm. story-driven development, where you really just pick out the individual pieces and develop them in isolation. So you would, like, fully design out, like, each individual component on its own. And then once you... And that's kind of, like, comes down to, like, building a design system. So in a way, Storybook is a, is a tool for, like, creating design systems. But it really depends on how you want to use it. Like, you can do it so much more with it. You can build, like, whole screens and you can, like, isolate a screen and, like, mock data to that screen for, like, a specific state. Like, you could say, like, oh, if I'm an admin user, what does this screen look like? And then you could set that all up. As soon as you click on the story, it will be in that state, right? So, like... It's basically just a way to like get your components in in the state that you want them to be in, and then you're able to like iterate on them really quickly because you don't have to like deal with like going back and forth. And you know, on the web, there's all kinds of like um, really interesting tools with it as well. Like the main like maintainers of Storybook is a company called Chromatic, uh, or rather, they bundle of the development because that's kind of made up of uh, the maintainers of Storybook sort of came together and like founded this company mm-hmm. uh, and they have like a visual testing suite on top of storybook that automatically takes snapshots of each of your oh. stories. So like every single state of every component gets automatically snapshotted and then uploaded to their cloud. And then they compare the images, show you like what's different between like your PRs and like the main branch So stuff like that. That's cool. Is like, what's really interesting about storybook because it goes beyond just like developing components. It, you can, based on like the the little pieces that they give you you can do like a whole bunch of other stuff and one of the like really powerful things about storybook is it's got like an add-on ecosystem so like plugins for it Mm -hmm. especially on the web there's like plugins for everything like figma and oh yeah uh, you know like accessibility testing automatically in the in the add-ons panel and all this stuff like comes out of the box a lot of that you know isn't quite there in react native storybook but um you know it's one of those things where over time more of those things will be introduced and hopefully at some point there'll be sort of more community (laughs) input on that and then we'll get a lot further but right now like i mean that's one of the things i was saying like react storybook has like four million downloads a week Mm -hmm. react native storybook it's more like um, like one hundred and sixty thousand a week, so it's oh, still okay. like sizable. It's a lot. Like yeah, you're, you're the core maintainer. It's like a, a small team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so like, uh, but a lot of I think what how people come to React Native Storybook is like they're using it on the web, and then mm-hmm. they make like a, a React Native app, and they're like, oh, we want to have 
React Native Storybook. We want to have a storybook for our, our app as well. And I think a lot of people get you know a lot of value out of React Native Storybook. Me as the maintainer, I see a lot of its flaws because I'm always there, you know, with it. But you know, it it, it what we've what I've kind of done is like got the main features, and but there's so much potential still to like implement all that stuff that uh, like really interesting stuff you get on the web. Yeah, so I will. I want to get into React Native Storybook in a second. Mm. I just one one last question sure. about Storybook in general. So, if I use this now in my let's say React web application, or by the way, does it also mm. work with stuff like Angular or Vue? Uh, it sounds yeah, like, yeah, it is exactly like it, on the web. It's kind of like in some sense is like independent of the what okay. you're using. It's most popular with React because Storybook is kind of like react first in some ways that it's like built in react but mm -hmm. like in the sense that um i mean it doesn't really matter though what you use because you can set up what we call the preview in storybook which is and in the web is like an iframe that's like isolated from the rest mm -hmm. of the app and then you can set up whatever like builder like webpack config that you want in there or you know now supporting v and so you can basically put anything in the middle there and that's how it's like pretty simple to do react native web in there as well because you can kind of just in the preview part put whatever you want and the bit around it might be built with react but it doesn't matter for the for the rest of it so so when i add this um does storybook itself have, have like an api that i use when i create my components let's say i want to create a user settings mm. component or so or story as it would be called in the, in the storybook right. ecosystem would I just create like a TSX file and do the, the whole React uh, stuff and have some state introduced and whatnot? Or mm -hmm. am I doing something custom? Like, do I import right. state from React Native Storybook? Like, is there an API in Storybook that I have to use to create these components? Well, it, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, I guess I, I left that part out a little bit in my answer earlier. But basically, yeah, there is a... In a sense, there's like an API, but the way that it works is it's more like a custom syntax that is passed by Storybook to set up stuff for you. So, um, you know, one thing I want to just like be clear on is that Storybook doesn't like make your components for you. It just helps you like, you know, isolate them and then, you know, do things with them that makes it easier to like develop on them. So, for example, there's some add-ons called like controls and that lets you like it live edit the props of a component so i can like use a slider to change the size of something for example but the way this works is there's a you add a file like let's say i have a button i'll have like button.tsx and that's just my normal component code nothing of storybook goes in there but then i'll have like a file next to it will be like button.stories.tsx and in there i'll use this syntax that we call csf which is like component storybook format or something component story format i think um and then basically what that is is it's well it's meant to be kind of like a agnostic sort of syntax or it doesn't actually not specific to storybook it's kind of like a separate thing now um and what it is just kind of like objects that you export with like information about what you want to do with your uh components uh, especially now like the newer versions of, of Storybook, it's kind of just like you have like a meta, which is like the default export of that file, which will define, okay, what's the name of this um, like component and what's, you know, what which component are we looking at? And then, you know, you just export some information about it. And then Storybook does some analysis of like the stuff that you give us. 
And then especially like with the web version, it can figure out what props you have and do all this fancy stuff with TypeScript. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you, you do kind of use a storybook API in a way, but it's kind of indirect. And one thing that's really interesting about that is it, those CSF files are really like passable by other tools. So you can like, uh, people can build stuff on top of that and like pass your story files and that then you could do like automatic things and, and stuff like that. Nice. I don't know so, if that like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was clear about like, <laughs> but. Yeah, I think I, get, I have a really good picture right now mm. about Storybook. So I got these folders, I got my stories set up, uh, probably yeah. some meta information. And I've seen this, this preview of Storybook components that looks mm. like a custom preview. But if I now go back to my regular app or website, Am I just importing these components like I would basically import any other shared component that I create? Or is there like something yeah. special you need to do? No, I mean, so that's one of the things that I was saying is like, Storybook doesn't mess with your code at all. Like it's separate, you know, all of your Storybook files like go in their own, they're kind of like in their own world. In, and you wouldn't even include those in the bundle or anything because you wouldn't import from a component anything from like storybook or like the story files. So none of that like goes into your app and the components are isolated in the same way they normally are in their like component files. So you don't change anything about how you use your components. It's just like an extra thing that you might do, like kind of like when you write unit tests, you'll have like a unit test file, but it doesn't affect your like mm-hmm. actual app or anything. So uh, especially like on the web, there's a, it basically runs in, you know, it has like a Webpack server or something. Mm-hmm. It just like runs the web app separately and doesn't like enter into your code. With React Native, it's a bit different because you can't really do that. And like right. the way that it works, like you have to be able to, like all the native components stuff have to be supported. So like pod files and all those things. So what we tend to do is you set up like two different entry points in your app. So where like one would like load Storybook and the other one would load your app. Uh, and you could also just like hide it in your navigation somewhere. Yeah, I think um, that will be my next question. Like for the web perspective, I kind of get how this works. Mm. Um, for React Native, uh, I would assume that I can get like mm. a, a preview expo app in which I can see my stories. Uh, I've seen, I think, right. a video how you, you set this up and that actually looked pretty easy. So is that the process of how you like or your main work for the React Native Storybook component to make mm. this preview available or uh, well, how does the transpilation work? Yeah, I mean, so it's actually really simple on React Native, <laughs> kind of like simpler in some ways than the web version because really? it's just a component that we provide you and then you put it where you want. And and it's simpler in some ways, but it's like more complicated for you as a user, right? Like, but, at, you know, in order for it to get to the level of like the web app where it like spins up its own thing and launches on its own, you would have to like build a whole set of things, you know? So it's kind of just simpler to just provide you with the component to put in your app somewhere. And what that means is if you want, you can run it in the same like place as your project. Like you can have your, you know, let's say you just have like one app and you don't have like a mono repo setup or anything. You can just run it in there and that's fine. Other setups like more advanced might have like a mono repo and you have like a design system 
package and in there that's where you would run your storybook and like it wouldn't touch your like app code and and so like there's a lot of different ways of running it and that's one of the things that maybe is like more difficult for beginners to write a storybook because there's no like one answer to like how you run it but we just export you a component you like run some like boilerplate code that we provide to you and then that will figure everything out so like i would love to make it more like the web version for sure like where you just like run a thing and it like launches a separate mm -hmm. expo go app or something but yeah. the problem with like you know like native apps is that there's so much like native stuff that you could add to your like uh you know you could add it to your like app delegate or something that would change the way that the app behaves and then it just wouldn't work properly in the thing anymore so it's like it's kind of just simpler to let you put it in the app where it's already all set up and you just sort of hide it when you're not using it. So it's like it's like a switch in the beginning. If dev environment or yeah. something, then, then show exactly. storybook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know, like I said, if you have like a, like a separate package for your UI components, then you can just have like an app specifically for storybook. And then you can even like publish that to test flight to send to oh, like yeah. testers and stuff to like, and then they can look through your book of components and, you know, and that's part of like some companies do that as like a testing process for their like UI components. And we would, when I wasn't, you know, back when I got involved with Storybook, you know, that's kind of the perspective that I was seeing it from is that we had a design system package where we ran the Storybook and we would use Firebase app distribution to basically mm -hmm. distribute It's just the storybook part of our app to like testers and designers and stuff so they can look at it and just see like individual components see how they match up to the designs basically that's a nice nice setup um so i've, I've seen how you integrate it in a new expo application i'm just curious mm. if i now already have an expo application and say after this conversation i'm convinced that i should also use storybook <laughs> is, it, is it easy to just like integrate it into an, a running application into a running system and adapt it just at some point Yeah, so like on Storybook, there's this CLI that has a lot of like um, initialization scripts and stuff. And we have one for React Native that will just sort of in install the, the packages you need and add the, the config folder. They'll probably be, you know, with React Native, there's one or two manual steps. It's sort of like this constant battle with React Native <laughs> and like Metro and things to like, Right. try and make things more automatic and you know but yeah like there's basically a command that you can run that will set everything up and in the there's like a blog my most recent blog post is basically explaining how you set it up in a in an existing project and maybe i think the video you saw i did set up a new project but that's actually the same process you would go through if you just cut out the like first step where i set up the project but i uh, you know if you if you're not using an existing project they also have all these templates i have like mm. starter projects and stuff that i've created that you can just sort of refer to let's say if your config isn't working so there's a lot of stuff out there now like that's one of the things that i focused on when i started like working on the project is that before there was like nothing there was like the docs were incomplete there were no there was almost like no blogging there was <laughs> There's nothing and like no one will respond in Discord, no one, you know, it's like, and one of my big focuses is like, if you're a beginner and you come to the Discord and ask how to get set up, I will answer you like 
maybe not immediately, but I'll, I'll get to you and I'll try and like help you get started. So yeah, I mean, if, if you run into any issues, I'm, I'm definitely here to help, but it should just be one command basically. That's awesome. And also thank you for providing the support because you're still also uh, a senior front end developer with a full-time job. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's always great yeah. uh, to have people support others. One last question about the, the details here uh, mm. that I had is if I use it and I understand you correctly, like you have a lot of freedom with Storybook. Does that also mean I can use any kind of UI library with Storybook, and especially with React Native Storybook, like Tamagui, yeah. Paper Elements, or whatever, like also or Tailwind or Native Wind in in the context of React Native? Does it work fine? Yeah, and so that's uh, one of those things about Storybook is it doesn't really get in the way of anything. I mean, some <laughs> bugs might come up where things like <laughs> are incompatible, but that's not intended. Like, uh, but I mean, I think most of those bugs are squished now and you sh everything should just work. You know, in the past we had some issues with like styled components, but those should be resolved now on the latest version at least. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, like everything should work. I've got examples of uh, native, actually don't think I made a native win example publicly, but I use native wind, uh, you know, at my on my day job and we have it working with like, uh, something that we haven't talked about yet, which is the React Native web and uh, version of Storybook and also the React Native Storybook like on native. So um, that works all fine. Things like Tamagui, I have an example of, and that's public. Um, and I often make the examples with both the web version and the native version. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like you're you're looking exactly into my notes because the next question would have been about React Native <laughs> uh, web storybook, and the follow up uh, question yeah. would be about how you use Storybook at Arrow. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's let's go awesome. through that one by one. So um, I saw you're also the maintainer of um, React Native web storybook. Is that right. a lot different from from uh, the React Native storybook package? Is it more challenging? Right. I mean, it's it's like this whole mm. we go from from web to React Native, and now we go from React Native back to web. It, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how's it going for Storybook? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly, it's kind of uh, like I can say like the simple answer to this and then like the long answer, like, you know, I'll, I'll try and like do something in the middle. But basically, <laughs> you know, the React Native Storybook, it's like the one that runs on your app, like on, on a mobile phone, also does work on the web, like that UI. But it's not like, optimized for the web like that was designed to be like oh if you want to use like ios and android this will work you know as you expect it to but it, it does also work on the web but the thing is that there's already a web version of storybook that works really well and and so like what happened a little while ago is that someone like messaged me and was like oh like does this work if i just do this and like react in react js storybook and put in like a React Native web config. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And then the guy like commented back and was like, yeah, I got it working. And I was like, huh? You know, like what the hell? And then that started me down this road of basically what React Native web storybook is, is it's like a Webpack config for React JS storybook that lets you load your React Native stories in the web storybook, which has all those amazing features that already implemented, you know, they have a whole team there's a difference between me and then the <laughs> Storybook React uh, like uh, ecosystem is that they have like hundreds of maintainers and they've got like hundreds of add-ons and all this stuff. And by like making this add-on React Native Web, 
Um, because it gives you access to all of that stuff. Whilst, and you can run them both at the same time. So like, you can run your like iOS and Android storybook and then put them side by side with the, with the web version. And, you know, you could have done that with just the React Native version that I've created. But by doing this like add-on for React.js storybook, you get access to all those like automated testing and accessibility stuff. And, nice. you know, yeah, it's basically just like Webpack config for, for the React.js storybook that just makes everything work. Um, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like if you've worked with React Native Web, you know that it's never just like, oh, you just add the config. Because, you know, there's a big problem with React Native uh, ecosystem right now, which is that, I mean, if you want to use stuff for web, most of the time packages aren't transpiled and, and they don't just work out of the box, especially with Webpack. So there's some nuance there, but I've tried to make like a bunch of config options that like let you easily transpile packages and stuff. So on top of being like a Webpack config, it's also just like an easier way to set up those little things like aliasing packages to other things. Like sometimes they're Rick native web versions of packages. Hmm. You can easily like pass an option to alias packages and all this stuff. And the funny thing about it is that you don't even need React Native Web setup for your React Native project to make React Native Web Storybook work because the config is all there in React Native Storybook for web. Just kind of like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting over it to like other stuff, but this is kind of like the idea behind like what I have for, you know, like with what we do at Arrow is like we use web on React Native not even we don't ship web the a web app, but we use right. web to like easily like share the components around or to easily do testing. You know, like all of those things. Like you don't even need to manually configure yourself. You can just get it with the React Native Web Storybook config. Yeah, right. Let's 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 start there. Um, so you're working at Arrow uh, Arrow Finance. Mm. Uh, people can look this up. Going to put a link in the show note as well. Um, the app is essentially for iOS and Android. Uh, headline yeah. is we're chart, we're changing credit cards for good. So we're talking about credit cards in the realm of finance. Mm. I don't know if you would call yourself a fintech. Isn't that like the usual yeah. headline for for that sort of stuff? Um, it's a fintech, yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's so, a really so, early one. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you're of course using Storybook mm. over there at Arrow, and you previously before we hit record said you have a funny um, or like let's say a challenging mono repo setup. Um, so yeah, how, how yeah. does uh, Storybook work at Arrow, and how did you like set up the general app? Because as you said, you're just using mm. iOS and Android. Yeah, so like at Arrow, first of all, we're like a startup that like. You know, it's a it's a credit card, but it's like also a solution for people to to learn how to use credit. And you know, I was saying this earlier, but like in America, that's super important for everyone. You know, to know how to use credit because everything's is a credit card. I, <laughs> I don't know about always, you in Germany, I, but yeah, I, I never I, use it. I I I have a little wallet, so I don't mm. have space for like the hard coins anymore since years yeah. or for years now. And I get so mad when I get like to the bakery on Sunday morning and they have a sign today, <laughs> today only cash, no, no cards. And I'm like, wait, what century are we in? Like, I really, <laughs> yeah. like, I just leave because I have no money with me. I just mm. I usually just have my iPhone in which I have like my card. And so I pay with Apple yeah. Pay or, or whatever. So yeah, in, in Germany, in most cases, you can pay, uh, 
but mm. it it fails more often <laughs> here and there and or sometimes it's like yeah. only credit card after 10 euros or something like that so <laughs> yeah in, in, in those yeah. cases i think the united states are a bit ahead of us but otherwise in terms of general banking and accounts i think we're, we're pretty mm. good <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it <laughs> you know this is like going into like the whole finance side of things but it's also like um you know i don't know about over there in germany but like for me in the uk it was always more about like debit cards you know we never even use credit cards for anything most of the time you know that's like how my parents brought me up but that was, yeah that was definitely yeah. in the past as well like mm. until my parents got a credit card i don't know that was like maybe 10 years yeah. ago or something <laughs> like yeah that's a rather new thing here otherwise it was like mm. oh the fancy people have credit cards no we have a debit card <laughs> yeah well that's kind of what's some somewhat interesting about like um you know arrow is that it also teaches you like how you can utilize credit you know and that's one of the ideas it's it's often it's mostly about like people who are new to credit cards or have like gotten into trouble with credit in the past and basically it teaches you how to get back and like how to grow your credit and all this stuff but yeah we we use a, a react native we have we have react native we have um a, a next.js app for the website which um, may be a little bit overkill, but we also use it for some other stuff. So, you know, we use the backend part of it and things like that. But um, yeah, we, we have this like monorepo. And... So that means that the Next.js web application is essentially not the functionality of the app. Like it's not the error, it's, it's just mm. the marketing website. Exactly. And I think that's probably like a common pattern. You know, yes. you'll have like a marketing website. Um, and then if you do have a web app, it'd probably be hosted like, totally separately or even you might might be on the same domain but you'll have like uh, some routing to get you there um but yeah like we we have um a mono repo setup where you know we want to our, our goal is to kind of just share components between react native and web right now we don't really do that because the website was like made first but we actually use reactive react native web more for like just making it easier to test and um, like share the components, like I was saying before. And you know, the setup that we have is kind of we have a PMPM workspace. So a lot of people don't know that you can actually use PMPM with React Native. It just like need a little bit of finesse. Like you just change a couple of settings. The same with like Yarn Berry. You know, everyone's using Yarn One, but it's actually almost uh, you know it's like one line change to use Yarn Berry. <laughs> and so like. Uh, you know, but these are the things that are really difficult to figure out when you're when you're using React Native is like all the most people are using it a certain way and it's just like easier to just stick to that. And, you know, it would be really nice if we could move the whole thing forward a bit. But I mean, it's tough. Like it's also like, uh, you know, Meta are going to stick with like Yarn Classic, right? Because that's, you know, what the, you know, it's like hard to move all that kind of stuff, you know, they're like a big ship trying to turn around. But yeah, like, um, we, anyway, we use PMPM. I'm going off yeah, I, on... I, I, I just recently <laughs> used Bun and Bun yeah. X for creating my Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that was actually really fast. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like, Bun is super interesting. But like, I don't know. Like, I think <laughs> for me, it's like, wow, this is kind of too early. I would love to use that for more stuff. Uh, I think what's more interesting uh, about like, potential like future uses for bun would be like uh swap like a swapping metro bundler like could be really interesting to see like it because like bun 
is like super compatible with like common js esm like things will just work if you use both in the same and that's like one of the problems you have with like react native packages and stuff is they're like a mishmash of stuff some things are transpiled some things aren't so and metro already kind of handles that for you right like it will just take anything you've got and transpile it so like and the fact that bun can kind of do that as well like i think we could see bun being an interesting like replacement because it also is a bundler you know it's a package manager and you know if you could use Bun for like everything, that would be awesome. You just got like one tool, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was really confusing. Like I usually mm. use NPX something, and then in some yeah. projects I switched to Bun BunX, and then I got totally confused. And then God. I installed npm stuff in the Bun, and like uh, it's it's. I mean, these that are just like my my tutorials and YouTube videos. Mm. So like every other day I spin up a new tutorial project. So it's like cool mm. to have it in like two seconds instead of thirty yeah. seconds. It makes a it makes a difference for me, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know in the in the grand scheme of things, um, <laughs> we're probably not yet adapted. So that is also because we're running a bit short on time. Uh, something mm, I want to bring sure. our discussion back on. So I know or understand that for companies like Arrow, um, you're embracing Storybook. You're using the components, mm. sharing. You got testing and stuff. But the other day, I saw someone tweet something who was like a solo indie hacker creator and he or she said like, wow, this is so amazing how fast I can build my app with Storybook. So I was always under the impression that stuff like Storybook is really meant for companies who have a design system, mm. who have many components here and there, but not so much for me, the indie hacker or creator. But that, mm. that tweet got me thinking like, maybe I should define my stories and, and do that with Storybook as well. Like from, from your perspective, when does Storybook really shine or work, work best? Like does it work for, for individuals or really small teams or is it only mm. good for like bigger companies? Well, I mean, just to give you like some idea, like at Arrow, we have like two front-end developers and we're using <laughs> it. So like, I mean, I think as the, it's even, it's, I would say it is useful for like individuals for sure. Like even... Even, you know, even as an individual, you have, like, people that you want to show stuff to. You have, like, um, you still run into those problems of, like, oh, I've got to, like, sign in and all this stuff to get to yeah. that one component, right? Like, and I think the other thing is that you can run that same storybook on, you know, all those different devices. And if you're trying to target, like, three platforms, you know, or more, you know, if you're targeting macOS or something... Um, Mac OS, uh, I shouldn't have said that because I don't know if that's actually going to work with, with Storybook, but let's say web, iOS and Android, you know, you could bring them all up and let's say you're just, and this is something that I do, right? Like I'm, you know, let's say I'm, I'm going to make like a text input component and you know, like you might like normally if you don't, not using Storybook, you might just go to like login screen or something and like work on the component in there and then you know, later on down the line, you'll be like, oh, I guess I need to add this new feature now. So, but it, I guess it's, it depends on like your approach. Like if you know you're going to use this input for like all these different like use cases, you can already like from the get-go, for example, just like focus really hard on like developing that one component out to do all the things that you know it's going to do. And like with Storybook, for example, you can just manipulate it, get it in those states that you want to test like really easily, you know, like, you can have a story that would be like the error state of your text input. And instead of having to like type something in to get it into the error state and like losing that state each time fast reloads or whatever, you know, it's just in that state straight away. 
Yeah, that's definitely an argument that might convince me. Like this, this whole state thing. Um, I, I, I will definitely give it a try mm. after our recording <laughs> because it, it really sounds kind of magical. And um, I agree that yeah, you always have like a login screen, or you have like the, you're working on the third details page in, inside a stack layout, and you mm. like you made a mistake, it errors, you have to reload, boom, you're back at the first page. And um, so yeah. if I can like develop all that stuff in isolation. Um, I think you sold me on Storybook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing about that as well is like, one of the things that I like to do is kind of start with web, even though we're not targeting web, because it's like really fast to, to, to like, and there's a lot of tools on the web where you can like inspect and all this stuff. It's not going to be exactly the same, but um, I often will start with the web version and like, and have like, I have my React Native web Storybook set up and I'll, you know, go through all those like, the process of like setting up the initial component and like do the, you know, all the little things that you got to do in the beginning. And then I'll like bring up the, the iOS and Android and then see if there's any consistencies and, you know, like basically make, take advantage of like the faster, like sort of, uh, like developing time for web. Um, and then utilize that to, um, just kind of like, speed up my development of those components and and i think that's something that people like don't really see like <laughs> that's something that's missing from like the sort of the, the conversation around react native is like you can utilize react native web to like do all these interesting things even if you're not targeting web and i see a lot of people saying well it's not going to look the same on my on my app or whatever and that's a valid thing to say but that's why you have like in testing for example multiple layers and that's why you, for example, we do uh, playwright testing to quickly, you know, on our PR, each PR, we use React Native Web and then run playwright tests. And that will run like in a minute or so. Whereas if I was going to run Maestro, which is our other layer of testing, that take, you know, that could take like 20 minutes or more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can get this, like, you can test your business logic really quickly in playwright and have that quick iteration cycle and then bring in stuff that like fully accesses your your whole app and do the full like end-to-end -end testing and, and in that way kind of like verify all the like truly native stuff so i think that people need to like sort of see more the potential of like using web as part of your like development flow i mean it depends on like your development style maybe that'll slow you down but i think for us it's been really useful for sure yeah, I usually found web development to be the fastest as well. Um, yeah. so I come from a background of Capacitor and Cordova, uh, which is always also just a web project and then bundling it for native. Mm -hmm. And I always found the web tools to be simply the best. I mean, Expo is great sure. and, and stuff. And, and uh, the whole debugging stuff Expo is doing to React Native, um, it's getting better. But still, mm. for me, web development is definitely the fastest way to go. For sure. I mean, it's a shame we don't have like more time because uh, I would love to talk more about Capacitor because I actually think it's a really interesting solution. Me and my <laughs> colleague talk about it all the time. Like, man, if we just did this in Capacitor, we'd be done like in half the time. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really interesting conversation because React Native gives you a lot of power, but sometimes you need a really simple app and Capacitor would get you there in half the time. I think you've got to strike the balance, right? Yeah, I, I got a feeling that for Arrow, a capacitor would definitely make sense um, because, like, you get really one repository which you can deploy mm. to web and native, and you probably not 
like from the screenshot, it's not like you're making a Skyr render or whatever 3D application <laughs> and stuff. Like most of yeah. this, what you're doing in the screenshots, you could probably get with CSS and, and web stuff uh, in general. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely arguments on both sides. Like we probably get a more native feel, and there's like certain things that probably are a little bit more difficult to do in Capacitor. But from what I understand, Capacitor like gives you pretty much everything, right? So yeah, I think. It, People also in the React Native community sometimes have this sort of like, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to like <laughs> create like drama or anything, but I think we shouldn't have a sort of super, feel like superior for being like more native or anything, you know, like I think there's like layers of where, you know, what technology makes more sense, you know, and you should just be open to all the technologies out there. And I think capacity is honestly like a really good option. Yeah, exactly. People like every week ask me what's the best Flutter, React Native, or anything else, and I'm like, mm. it completely depends. Like, if you're <laughs> a small startup which yeah. has only two front-end developers, and you need an app for the web and for iOS and Android, and maybe even like a desktop app, then yeah, the Capacitor is probably the route to go. But if you have a team of 50 native iOS developers and 100 Android developers, <laughs> then yeah, you shouldn't use React Native. Then React Native right. makes no sense. So it always comes down to like a lot of different constraints a project or a company mm. might have. So yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Capacitor. I think it's very, still very unknown. Um, uh, I'm, I've been like working with Ionic, the company who also then created Capacitor later for about, I don't know, mm. eight or nine years now. So I've seen the rise of Capacitor and it, it's still growing, but it's still still kind of unknown. Like whenever you see mm. the Stack Overflow surveys, it has just like a three, four, five percentage, uh, which is a pity because pretty much everyone who, who tries it the first time says on Twitter, wow, this is awesome. It just works. Um, so yeah, uh, there's more for the React Native mm. uh, or the React community. <laughs> it's not just that you instantly have to go for React Native. Um, you can try other things as well. Yeah, I mean, there's also, there's like multiple layers to it. Like whatever you're most comfortable with and most productive with, there's also like, that also weighs into it. You know, I think I often will reach for React Native just because it's most familiar to me. But I'm starting to see now like more use cases where like, maybe it's quicker if I just do the web stuff. Like web, writing for web is like super quick. Right. All right, I think that wraps up our uh, talk about Storybook. Um, this has been really great. Uh, thank you a lot. I got five Thanks. quick questions for you before we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so this is the, the quick question round. Um, question, actually, I think I wanted to change my question. It looks like I didn't change my oh, my template. Let me look this up. Okay, yeah, it's 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 now only a three question okay. <laughs> quick fire. So what's your favorite IDE? Um, you know, I'm kind of boring and vanilla, I guess. I, I really love VS Code. Like, it just does everything. You know, I I keep thinking, you know, I'm going to learn Vim or I'm going to learn, you know, whatever. And it's just like, man, I just want to be productive. You know, like, I, I can't, like, spend time on that. You know, it, I just imagine, like, I used to be, like, a big Linux user, you know, like, Arch Linux and all this stuff. And I just, this is probably, I'm probably stealing on your other questions, but it, the, the config there is like, it just took so much of my time. And as soon as I swapped over to Mac, it's just like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that anymore. It's like, I yeah. see it that way, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I uh, heard an episode on Syntax mm. FM a while ago and uh, like they, they also have some questions about Mac or keyboard or whatever. And like, 
every, all the big names like Rich Harris, mm. creator of Sweltkit, and all the other big creators, they all say, yeah, I use a MacBook and I use the standard settings for my editor and I just code. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and exactly. after that, I felt felt a lot better that like, mm. yeah, just just use the tools and just write good code and have good ideas. <laughs> I mean, now the, there's stuff like Cursor and like all these different... There's sort of like, you know, Cursor is interesting because it's like a VS Code... Um, fork i think and it uses all the same stuff but it has this ai thing on top of it mm -hmm. and i think that's probably where we're going to see things go maybe not cursor specifically but you know things like vs code but with like ai sprinkled in and you know i use copilot a lot like on yes, everything and that you know that is kind of kind of the killer feature for me that would make me never move away from something like vs code and so if like other editors could basically come up to that level they could take over i think you know yeah. AI is going to be the change. For sure, for sure. Question number two. Uh, latest Discover package, library, or service that you can recommend to the listeners? Yeah, I don't know if this one is like well-known or not, but like recently at work, we're working on some like full-stack stuff. So I'm like digging into some more like back-end stuff, and we're using SST, oh, which yeah, is like a... Yeah. yeah, it like does... It's like the Dex, true Dex, DevOps the, yeah. solution, you know, it like builds all your like AWS infrastructure with TypeScript. And, you know, I used to be DevOps, you know, I, I went, my career like went from like DevOps to like web development or, you know, all kinds of stuff. Right. And, and, you know, when, back when I was in DevOps, you know, the first thing you learn is like DevOps is not about having DevOps engineers. It's about having developers develop, you know, with code, infrastructure as code. And, and this is like SST is like actually you know, infrastructure as code and, and everything's in your repository. And I, it's crazy to me. Like, I, I never imagined like this kind of thing would be, you know, what I'd be using today. But yeah, I just think it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, to, to be honest, I only know SST because the creator, I think, is, mm. is active on Twitter and YouTube. Yeah. I think it's Dex and he has these super funny videos where he's like talking mm. to a Fred shot of, of Astro or someone yeah. else. And they're like asking a random question and like just shit talking. It's like between <laughs> two ferns. I'm going to put a link in the That's show. Awesome. Notes. So it's it's unbelievable funny. Um, gonna gonna put this down yeah, uh last like question twitter is... based <laughs> twitter based <laughs> yeah. development <laughs> yeah all right the last question is mm. something that made you happy this week that's a more oh, personal one right <laughs> that's interesting wow uh well yep. i actually i'm gonna see, be seeing my friend this week he's coming to visit me in portugal and that's uh it's coming tomorrow i guess but you know that's that's made me happy to, to have my friend over here show him around porto which is like a city that I, I really love. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't been there, but Portugal is definitely on my list. So thanks again, Daniel. It was a pleasure. Mm. I'm, I'm completely sold on Storybook. I will definitely <laughs> give it a try. Uh, for everyone out there, where can they find more out about you? Uh, what's the place to, to find you or contact you? Yeah, so I guess um, on GitHub, it's like github.com slash dannyhw. And on Twitter, like, I don't really fully remember my handle, but it's something like that. I guess maybe it could be in the notes or something. But uh, yeah, if you just search Danny HW or something, you probably find me on Twitter. Um, I try to post on there. Uh, I'm also on like dev2, dev.to. Uh, I try and blog about like storybook things. I haven't done one in a little while, but um, I've got plans for some more interesting content, uh, stuff like about 
you know, doing multi-platform like design systems and things. So yeah, you can, Twitter is like the main entry point. You know, if you DM, I'm, I have my DMs open if anyone has questions and then also Discord, Storybook Discord, I'm always in the React Native channel. So people can come in there and ask about Storybook or, you know, whatever. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to find more about me, you can check out galaxies.dev with new React Native courses coming every month. And of course, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. And if you listen until the end of this episode, also give a five-star rating, especially on iOS, uh, all the other platforms. They don't really work well, but for iOS, uh, ratings are really important. So heat over, click five stars and give a nice rating. So Thank you, Daniel. Thanks again. Keep up our React Native Storybook and React Native Storybook for the web. And I hope to catch you again in the future to then talk about Storybook version 6, right? 7. <laughs> But yeah, oh, seven, yeah right, 7. <laughs> awesome, yeah, thanks thank for you. having me. Thanks for having me. It's been really great. Bye. Bye.